is aggression that we talk about with manhood, is it only aggression in the protection of your neighbor? So in the sense that I'm talking about this congressman, his aggression was toxic. Yeah. It wasn't a man being a, an aggressive warrior, you know, capable of much violence but under control. It was immature aggression, which is what we're seeing in a lot of, of manhood today. And I just thought, like, if we tackled that topic and, and brought up that situation, I know what we're doing is relevant because we're getting a lot of good feedback on what we are doing, mm -hmm. but would it take it to the next level? Uh, and it I mean, may, and it may end up outside the scope of like chaplaincy, scripture, stuff like that. Yeah. I get that. But like speaking truth to yeah. those things, I think so, is important. Yeah. I mean it, well, and not, I saw that and, video clip and I just was like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Yeah. Like this guy but, thinks that he's acting like a man, but he's really right. just pretending to be as a little boy. Yeah. And yeah, it is acting childish in, in yes. that regard. And that, I mean, because my mind goes back to Will Smith and Chris Rock, and <laughs> yeah. you know, was what was that? Um, but know, was that, that was technically in the defense of his wife, right? And you know, but I mean, was it necessary? Right. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, because oh, man, that, that's a that's a very tough. I do think your your opening statement about aggression, positive aggression, is always used for the protection of the neighbor. So I don't think there's any argument against that. But aggression, man, I, I yeah, I I don't know that you can validate it when it's when it's used in improper, not in the right context. Because I mean, again, yeah. then you go to like that's what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, like it's, it's like it's, it's like it, you. You expect that of a football player, but then you also but that's expect still them to within stop. the right context, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you do expect them to stop when the whistle blows, and it's always right. frustrating when stuff goes on afterwards, and you're just like, "Well, yeah," uh, and it's costly when it's out of context in yeah. that sense, right? Like, yeah, and that's where I go back to like the Peterson quote of like con controlling the monster within. Mm -hmm. Like the man being capable of much violence and a harmless yeah. man is a worthless man. Like those things are true, but right. I think, and, and that's where I was kind of like, maybe we, this is what we should have talked about tonight, but it's like in that context, yeah, like I, a, a, I aggression, mean, I think is, it, it tends to be neutral depending on what the context is. Right. Right. And so like, Aggression in this context of protecting the neighbor is always going to be positive. Correct. Aggression in this context in not protecting the neighbor but showing off your machismo or whatever um, is is negative. Yeah. And it really, it really, you know, I think it, thwarts yeah the I, conservative I mean, values of what an actual man is. Right. Because it, who's well, going to follow that leader? Yeah. Well, and 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 then I mean, you get into things like well. When, when Jesus says, put away your sword to Peter. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, the argument... And much bigger. I, 
right. context was, in that sense. Right, right. exactly. Like, you're but it, not but it's stopping all, me from going to the cross. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, and that, that gets down to that. But then there's also you know the um, that n- the apostles didn't fight back when they were jailed. Um, Jesus himself talks about turning the other cheek, and you know, and that's that's a for a Christian, and that's I mean that is a an individual thing that doesn't mean that every situation is going to require that. But yeah, there's a lot to dissect in terms of aggression and how that is properly used. And this was, and we, I talked, I mentioned it to you uh, when I went to it, it was the symposium at the seminary. There was a presentation on it and the presenter ended with, the greatest act of aggression is when Jesus turns his face toward Jerusalem, toward the cross. And now that was a very unique insight into that. But that also kind of reshapes and redefines what it means to be aggressive. Uh, so, yeah, there's to answer your question, should we talk about things like that? I think there is a, is a place for it. Uh, is tonight that night? <laughs> I don't know, because I mean, that, this, this was news to me. So, And, and I yeah. do think there's more to hash out with it. Yeah, and I and but I think like moving forward, and I think it's something just to be as relevant as possible. Like if we see news stories or things like that that we can call out, like improper displays of manhood to redefine, redeem in a lot of ways. I think that that will help. But that is not going to be the case tonight because we have a much more important topic, which can kind of play into what we are. Uh, talking about here when it comes to aggression, because in what we're going to talk about tonight, you, there needs to be an aggressive aspect to it. This, um, this is most certainly true. Th- this is one of the most important things. So um, are you ready? Sure. Here we go. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? He's Coleman, and I'm AJ4, the Two Chaps Pod. I apologize for the voice. It's a little worn out. We had our men's conference last weekend. I had seven hours of sleep from Friday to Sunday. (laughs) I taught two one-hour breakout sessions and then got to teach on Sunday about the history of the nation of Israel. So that was fun. 19-page outline that I did in a half an hour. So that's always... Yeah, I told him. Excuse me. I told him, I said, listen, I got 19 pages. We are not going through all 19 pages. <laughs> right. We're going to work at this is modern day Israel because everything after Jesus really just means they're a people group. Yep. Because at the end of the day, belief in Jesus is what matters, not your nationality. But anyways, yep. that's a topic for another time because what we are talking about tonight is actually direct from the mouth of Jesus and what we should do. And I want to set it up this way. I'm going to play off of the men's conference that I just came out of because it's fresh on my mind, extremely mm-hmm. pumped. We had over 200 guys singing praises to Jesus on Friday and Saturday, breakout sessions, and they were all full, and we've got nothing but positive feedback from it, which obviously all glory to God on that. But the breakout session that I led was husband, dad, and disciple maker. Mm-hmm. And the biblical, you know, expectation as man as men to be those things. <clears throat> and as I was talking and as I, you know, have have used the Great Commission consistently throughout my ministry, it always continues to repeatedly dawn on me. 
I guess that was redundant, continues to repeatedly, but regardless, um, it continues to dawn on me that our command from Christ is to make disciples. The command is not altar calls that create converts. Yeah. Those have their place, but the follow-up after that and the discipleship that occurs, which probably looks different in our two d- different traditions, so I think that we should probably flesh that out, yeah. um, is the command. And as dads specifically, we are to create disciples in our closest sphere of influence, which is our family. With our wives leading and training and discipling them, and then with our kids leading, training, and discipling them. So I'm going to jump into the Great Commission. It's a familiar verse, I'm sure, to all people, but I just kind of want to break down this verse um, and discuss what does it mean to make disciples? Yeah. Okay? So from Matthew 28, verse 19 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah. That is our commission. Yeah, I, I think there's a there are some there are a lot of things to pull out from that. First, you know, the the word go there to mm-hmm. begin with is actually in the Greek, it is a participle, and so it is. It functions. It functions with an imperatival uh, aspect to it, which means some that big it's words. that it's yeah. It's an it's an imperative. It's a command. But there is this sense of it's not simply just just go. It like aimless yeah. direction. Move it's from wild. one place to the other. Yeah. It's while you are going. So mm-hmm. wherever you are in life, that this is part of who you are. And this is specific to the disciples. So they are going to have that as their main goal for the for the remainder of their lives. And you see that play out in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this also becomes the just the the attitude of the church as a whole, that this is what we do, that we are coming to proclaim a the truth uh, about who this Jesus is, and that is, as we are going, as the church is moving, as it spreads, first in Jerusalem, then to Judea, and the ends of the earth, and as it continues to spread even today, this is the task. And, and that's always the question of, you know, when we read that those verses, you you you're answering the question: How do you make disciples? Jesus tells you explicitly, and really in no other passages that I can think of, does Jesus give a formula of, here's how you make disciples, and it's and their equivalents, it's baptize and teach, it's both together, you, they can't be separated from each other, and that's literally in the Greek, it's not baptize then teach, it's not teach then baptize, it's baptize teach, mm-hmm. equivalent mm-hmm. Uh, statement, so that if you don't, ha- if you have one without the other, you aren't making the disciples. Correct. And so that, and that's really when you consider, even with the differences that we have through denominations, ultimately what marks a church is there's baptism going on and there's teaching going on. Correct. And which we that, both do. Exactly. I mean, and so that's, that is what, the, when the church is doing that, they are carrying out this great commission. 
and there will never be, even if you have no baptisms for, you know, however many years, the teaching part is always still there. Right. And, and this is, this will be kind of a difference uh, between us, but that teaching is always based off of the baptism that has happened. That's, right. I mean, that's what the communion of believers are, are supposed to be anyways, those who have been baptized into Christ. And so this teaching is this ongoing reality of this is who God has made you to be as one of his saints in your baptism. And therefore, the rest of your life is learning what that is. And that is observing all that I've commanded mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And 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 I think that was it, it's not like it, it hit me, but it, it was kind of like one of those moments, like as I was talking about it and I was just like teaching them to observe all that I've commanded fantastic like maybe that's where we're missing a little bit of the boat right you Mm -hmm. i I love that you say and i agree with you completely that baptism and teaching are not either or not one above the other but they are intrinsically connected when it comes to making disciples because i know in your tradition like somebody is not a part of the community until they are baptized correct and it's different for us given the timing but the same statement can be said of a Baptist church. Yeah. You're not a part of our church until you are baptized or you have been baptized in a church like ours. Right, right. And that, that, that's an important thing, too, is because we do recognize baptisms from as long as they are according to the formula that Jesus gives mm-hmm. here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And right. with the understanding that this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the triune God the God of the Bible, mm-hmm. the uh, Yahweh of the Old Testament, God the Father, as Jesus refers to him, Jesus the Son incarnate, and then the Holy Spirit whom uh, Jesus and the Father send. With that understanding of those words with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if you are baptized in that name, that's a valid baptism. And Correct. you belong to the communion of saints mm-hmm. as a whole, mm-hmm. and in particular, we, you know, if you were to come into our congregation, we would recognize that baptism. So that is a, and, and I, I think that that's, <laughs> there are, are obviously differences in how it's treated within denominations, but I do think fundamentally everyone of Orthodox Christianity that falls into that, to that frame of, um, what the uh, apostles and prophets have taught through the mm-hmm. scriptures, mm-hmm. what the church has handed down, every one of them would come to an agreement that baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is brings you into that. Community. That's your, in, in a real sense, your new name. Um, yeah, right. and it's and you are part of that community. Yeah. So what? I don't know, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, so, uh, just kind of a note on that. I've heard this, I've never read it and verified it, and I don't know if you have come across this, but supposedly in uh, first century, through in kind of the, the Roman context, that when you were adopted, you were adopted in the name of such and such. And so that, that formula that Jesus uses, although it's kind of strange because it's in Matthew, has ties to actually being adopted so i i've heard that it sounds like it would preach well 
<laughs> but I can't verify that that's really well. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like yeah. it would pre that that dog will hunt is what this bastard yeah, Baptist right. preacher to say. That dog yeah. will hunt. Um what what does discipleship look like practically? Because and I asked that question and it's a leading mm-hmm. question because um man, it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Well, um more recently it's become more prevalent in my life. But like practically, I, I think that I come from a tradition that's really good at making converts. Mm-hmm. If I'm just putting all my cards on the table. Yeah. And this is a very broad paintbrush that I'm painting with. And I want to be very clear about that. It, we're really good at the altar call mm-hmm. and conversion. Yeah. But then in a lot of places that I have been, and I think that it's starting to get better in most of those places. It's kind of like, okay, figure it out. Yeah. So what do you think that discipleship looks like practically? Well, I think it answers it in these verses. Sure, it baptism and teaching. And te- in, in, in teaching, right. And, and that is, and so to be a disciple is to be discipled. It is to be uh, under discipline. Um, yeah. And the and I've, I'm sure I've brought this yep, up. We have in, in <laughs> previous, but the Greek word same there, root words. Yes, it is it, is mathetes, um, which we also get our English words mathematics, and so which is the worst know, subject my, of all time. Oh my gosh, it's it's the best <laughs> next to theology. It's the best subject. It's the worst it's, subject of all time. There, it, you're never going to convince me otherwise. I goodness, listen. Listen, this is just, this is way off topic, but I don't even care because it's going to fit the storyline. In high school, we had block classes, which means that I had four classes a day for an hour and a half. And because of that, I was able to fulfill my math requirement by my second semester of my sophomore year to graduate, no longer having to take math. And Mm -hmm. so from... The second semester of my sophomore year until the final semester of my undergraduate program at Baptist Bible College, I did not have a single math class. And you know what Mm -hmm. math class I took that final year of my undergraduate? Statistics. Math for teachers. Teaching elementary students how to add and subtract. It was me and 25 Females. (laughs) Females. <laughs> that is my experience to Matt. Wow. It was yeah. unbelievable. It's unnecessary. Most of the math that you are taught, you do not need for the rest of your life. Just learn how to balance a checkbook. Oh, you are you are so de- so deprived. I don't I mean, like the, math. The oh my goodness. I mean, God created math. It's, I it's, understand it's that. The, it's the but I would the rather study his blank- hand working throughout history. Oh my goodness! I'll give you. I'll give you that. But I mean, you just think about how literally mathematical everything is. I mean, that's I that's why we. That's why. That's why things in music are aesthetically pleasing because there are mathematical patterns with it. That's why art is aesthetically pleasing because it's symmetrical and there. You know. All these wonderful things no, that emerge. You know emerge who finds from... math in, in art? Nerds. 
that. Just... What's wrong with that? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan, you ever you ever listen to Jim Gaffigan? He goes, I, I, I don't, do I don't, that but I know I'm not a nerd. <laughs> well, uh, but okay. You, so anyway, you, so sorry. So mathetes, mathematics, discipline, noticing the patterns <laughs> there. So to 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 be discipled is to be under that teaching and and to avail yourself to that and to not only just. Be in the presence of it, but let it let it have its way with you. That's the, yeah. you know, because there there's and again the connections that run so deeply. Jesus says, teaching them to observe all I have commanded, commanded you. And so you start to realize that, well, if this Jesus is God and He is, then all that I have commanded you extends not simp not you know just in the what you hear in the Gospels, but throughout the whole of Scripture. Because this is all of God's words speaking to us, and so which is which is incredible. Because then you read something in like Second Peter, where he talks about what was delivered to the early pro- to the holy prophets, yeah, what we witnessed, and then later in Second Peter he goes, and all those letters that Paul wrote too, yes, hard to understand. <laughs> like, yeah, I just yeah. got to teach that. Like, yeah, last Bible study, and I was like. Like, listen, I love Peter because yeah. he mentions that things are hard to understand, but he doesn't say don't study them because of that. Yeah, like math. Anyways. <laughs> math is not the so, Bible. I agree. I agree. Um, But, yeah, so it, it's that in Paul talking about these things were written down for our learning. Yes. Um, You know, that we would that we would grow. And so it's not it's and this is the other part of this is as we are learning these things, as we are being discipled. It is revealing reality, yeah. and, and that's something that, you know, I think a lot of— It's the one thing that you said to me, and I don't mean to keep cutting you off, but it's the oh. one thing that you said to me that I, like, have just, like, etched on my soul, too, is <laughs> every time the Word of God is open, you should be convicted. Yeah. and like, sh- there, there is conviction that occurs yeah. when the Word of God is open. And there is—it is—the other thing with that is that as that conviction sets in— and I and I mean both conviction of like I'm guilty of sin. Sure. Yeah, that's obvious. But then also I'm convicted of this is this is my conviction. This yes. is the Correct. truth. And that's again it it is this God is giving to us His reality mm-hmm. and what He wants to know about what He wants us to know about reality. Uh, and we really I think that that's a difficulty that many christian churches congregations struggle with grasping is this is not simply uh you know another social club a um place to hang out uh a you know just something that we do because our families have done this or whatever Mm -hmm. this is seriously how life is god is telling us how things really are yeah. And and even more importantly, how things will be when he returns. Um and you know, obviously the, the question summed up the entire book of Second Peter. Yeah. <laughs> like, well and, literally and, like, and, and and that's and and then and then the question that always rests on that is then okay, so when he returns, what position will I be in? Well, as those who have been baptized and taught, who have been brought into this right relationship with him who believe all that jesus has done for you on the cross and by his resurrection then when that 
when he returns and the newness that he will bring with that is going to be wonderful. It's going to be joy. It's going to be bliss. For those who are not a part of that, who have rejected those things, who have either not been baptized or rejected their baptism or whatever, and then most definitely have rejected the teaching, because mm-hmm. that's the other side of this, is that when Jesus gives this command, it becomes, there are words involved. There are, there are you know, thoughts and things that are to be formed in a person. And the Holy and the other gift is that the Holy Spirit does this through mm-hmm. the work of the Word. But for those who have rejected that and not listened to it, hardened themselves against it, well, when God returns, that's not going to be joy and bliss for them. So that that is always the the driving kind of uh, well, that's the conviction that comes from that too. Of I need to be back in the Word where God is. Again, revealing reality itself to us, um, and why is, I bring that up again because the there seems to be a mentality in, especially in American Christianity, that well, you know, church is just something fun that we do. I I need it as a a, a block on my resume. It yeah. you know, it it looks a good as cleanser. yeah. Versus mm-hmm. it being no, wait a second, this is life itself. Um, and so that discipling is really the growth in that life. Yeah. Um, learning and that, to. And, and that, that I think is the key, right? And however that works out practically for a, a church specifically or whatever ministry that is being uh, utilized to, to train disciples, like it has to happen from the pulpit on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, inspirational motivational speeches are not necessarily sermons no and i feel like i'm being too negative and i don't want to be negative <laughs> but if we are not moving our people off the milk of the word mm-hmm. to the feast that god has prepared for us of himself and who he is and what he has done and is going to do, then we will just create converts and not train disciples. Yeah. And yeah. that, 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 that means getting into like, I, I was having this conversation with my wife earlier and, and we were talking about, she's like, what, you know, we were talking about discipleship and, and things of that nature. And she, um, and we, I said, if you have a church full of infants just drinking breast milk, like all they're doing is being sustained because all a baby really does with breast milk, they're not sitting there enjoying it as a feast. They're sitting there being sustained for life, yeah. right? Which is good for a new person that has found this, you know, has been given this faith. But if they never move off of the milk to the feast, of who God is to the taste and to see that the Lord is good, right? Mm-hmm. To that aspect, then we're not creating and training disciples. Right. Yeah. I do think that there is a growth in joy. Right. That that happens. And not happiness. No. But this but this sustaining joy that keeps us yes. going day by day. And, and I think it's also a growth in appetite too. 
Like, and I know I keep on coming back to that, but like this surface level, like again, the sustenance from milk is a good thing. But if we're all just surviving on milk, we're never going to get to the joy that sustains because of the truth of what God's word says, mm-hmm. right? Like a new con- a new convert, and I hate to use that term, but to a certain extent, like for all intents and purposes, that's what it is, is going to really struggle with like First Peter 1, 3 through 9 that talks about the various trials that you will experience. But we have to understand right. that our hope is imperishable and undefiled and never fades away and it's the actual testing the genuineness of your faith that these trials exist yeah and if that is not taught and if that that is not put in front of them for them to feast upon then when trials come right they're going to turn inward to try to solve it instead of turn upward to say how can this be used for your glory yeah yeah that is a <laughs> distinct as, I mean, to when, uh, so to quote, not Luther, but another Lutheran, Bonhoeffer, when Christ uh, calls a man to become a disciple, he bids him come and die. And And so you realize that from the moment that person is a Christian and enters into this discipleship, because that's it. I mean, and even, now again, we'll we'll get into differences here. But, you know, the infants that come into the church, and particularly, you know, we baptize them at our congregation. Um, we won't discuss the, how right that is. No. Um, we, uh, but even the infants that come into congregations that don't baptize them but are exposed to the word of God, it is from that moment on they are entering into the discipleship process. Now, yeah, again, you, we can sit here and argue as, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has for 500 years on, sure. on you know, th- those things. But the point is that as the word of God is active and impacting even those small children, they are already entering into the disciple process. And especially as fathers of those children, we are modeling that to them because that's a part of it as well is mm-hmm. this discipleship is not simply just about me. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I, I am obviously the subject of that because Christ is the one who is discipling me, but in my discipleship, it flows out to those around me. Um, Correct. First in and, my family and mm-hmm. then to my congregation. And that's, <clears throat> that's where I think that the, the conversation probably needs to turn just a little bit is okay. Yes, it is the church's job, the pastor's job, the shepherd and disciple, and those that are on church staffs and volunteer, like we need to disciple. But as our children and our wives first pastors, right? we should be discipling them as well. Mm-hmm. And, that cannot happen if you are not a disciple. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, and, and that's, I mean, part of the reason why we started Uncultured Dad is for that exact reason, is to train men, to help men. Um, not to say you're, 
you're bad and you need to stop doing what you're doing and fix where you are, but to say, this is a life that God has called us to and created us for. So come and be a part of that life and then share that life with your wife and your family, which is your first community. Yeah. This is a gift and gifts are meant to be enjoyed. Yes. And that's, that's, that's kind of the, I mean, when Christ comes, for all of us, it is not so that we would live in terror of the wrath of God, correct, but that we would believe He has satisfied that, and that God is no longer our enemy, but He is our heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And to and that's that again goes to what the church is doing as it's making disciples is bringing them underneath that lordship under into that reality, because the I don't know this is a word. But the falsity, as opposed to reality, is the dominion of darkness under mm-hmm. which Satan, or in which Satan operates and the devil mm-hmm. and has control. And so it's this movement, you know, you keep quoting Peter, uh, that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. light. Mm-hmm. And so that this is, this is what has happened. And now it's that growth in that life mm-hmm. as a child of the light. Um, the so I'll, I'll throw it in here now because it it, it, it corresponds to this. And we've, I think we've brought this up before, but the biggest indicator of whether the next generation in a family will stay in the church or not, the biggest, the most significant factor in that is whether the father attends or not. Correct. And and I, I realize it's kind of kind of dated, but when the survey was done of like people who stayed in church through their well continued through church like didn't leave and come back mm-hmm. uh, that they found that of those people 84 percent stayed who had both parents attending then when it was just the mom those people it dropped down to like 50 percent and so then when it was is there a difference though between actively participating though and attending or was that not distinguished in the study I don't think that was distinguished. So I, I would what, say, that, what that tells me, though, is even the example that we set is being watched by our kids. Whether we're just right. attending or actively participating, the example that is set by us dads matters yeah. to the next generation. Right. Which leads me to my kind of... It was like my practical application of being a husband, a dad, and a, a disciple maker, which I think goes a long way with this this thought process. Um, but there's a few things like that example that we set is going to benefit our children, being the model of repentance yep. in our families, modeling forgiveness in our families, yep. modeling faithfulness in our families, and um, making disciples like mm-hmm. the, through those three things, right? Repentance, forgiveness, and faithfulness. We can create and make disciples. Yes. Ultimately turning them to the person they should be following. Right. We're only, we're only a means to an end saying, as, as Paul said, imitate yep. me as I imitate Christ. Right. Right. Like that's that as, as dads, that should be our prayer. Mm-hmm. Like please just imitate what I do as I try my best 
to imitate Christ. Right. And that's, and that's a huge, cause I've heard this, uh, kind of presented, you know, uh, from, from Dr. Bierman actually, um, you know, he said, you know, how many of us as pastors can stand up and say that to our congregations? Yeah. How much more us as dads? Right. And it, again, it wasn't like to just shame us into that, but it's like, look guys, this is the expectation. And it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to see it as a, a burden, but as again, a gift that you get to carry out uh, for the sake of your child. Well, as a pastor, for the sake of your congregation, but for your family as, as a, as a dad and as a husband that you get to carry this out for the sake of your family. And, to realize that what this is doing, because this is another thing that kind of uh, goes into this. We're not simply talking about our lifespan. We're, we're talking no. about things that are eternal. Um, mm-hmm. And that this is, again, the reality that God has shown. There will come a resurrection. Mm-hmm. And there will come a new heavens and a new earth. Mm-hmm. And that is, we are praying that that comes soon whenever Jesus decides it, you know, that's, that's up to him, but we're actually looking forward to that day uh, mm-hmm. because it will be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And with our children that we, they should be looking forward to that day too. And then our grandchildren, the same thing. And so that it is, you know, passed down um, mm-hmm. to, to quote an odd verse, but from Jude, uh, the faith that was handed down yes, from um, mm-hmm. by the saints, yeah. you know, that's, that's what goes on. And so as, is that where he says contend for the faith that was correct. handed down? Yeah. 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 And, and so, but it's this idea that it's, it yep. gets passed on. It is uh, to, and I, I don't know the Greek there. So, uh, but I know that in other places where Paul uses it, uh, the Greek there is paradosis, but then the Latin is, Traditore, which is tradition. Mm-hmm. So you, you think about that's a tradition in a very good sense. Of mm-hmm. This is what gets handed down. Yeah. Um, and we as it's one of those things that I <clears throat> that I told the guys too. I said, listen, if if what we are talking about, and I say that right now on this podcast too, if what we are sounding or saying right now is weighty and it feels burdensome, that is intentional. <laughs> Yeah, because it is weighty and it is mm-hmm. burdensome. The the speaker at our conference, and I'll stop referencing it, but I have to bring this up. He, <laughs> he he referenced Colossians two, where he said, "I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and those at Laodicea, that uh, for all that have not seen me face to face." And he he pulled that out and he said, "When's the last time that you've struggled in prayer for your wife?" Mm-hmm. When's the last time that you struggled in prayer for your children, right? And I think about that and the weightiness that it means to be a dad and to be a disciple maker ultimately, because that's what our commission is. There's weight to that. There's a burden to that. But the promise from Jesus is, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is like exactly Come. and i don't know really where to go from there. Uh, yeah no that's, that's the fact that like 
this, this, I, it's a pertinent topic in the sense that we this is as we would say in the military this is a no fail mission yeah right it yeah. it we have to get this right and it's not sufficient enough let me be very careful the way i say this in my tradition i'll say it that way in my tradition i don't feel it's sufficient enough to just bend a knee at the altar mm. become a convert and then claim christ yeah. There has to be growth that is associated with that. And it's the church's responsibility to train. But then it comes down to on a more, you know, focused level, dads have to train. Yeah. And we have to make disciples within yeah. our first neighborhood, which is our family. Yeah. And to kind of uh, and tease this out some, that that doesn't necessarily mean you have to get a master's degree in theology. No, absolutely um, not. That, that doesn't mean you have to be the Bible study teacher at your congregation. <clears throat> what that does mean is that your life is given into the service that God has put you in, uh, namely as a husband and a, a father, and that your, your life is modeling that which God lays forth in his word. and. You know, even if that is, I would I mean, argue I'm, though that you do need to be the Bible study leader in your home. I I agree. Yeah, that yeah. that that I would agree with. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily that you're looking into the Greek and diving Correct. deep into Correct. into those things. There's but it does, a fantastic book that I think every dad should own. It's called the Portable Seminary. <laughs> have I showed yeah. you this? Yeah, you have. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's a master's level education in one volume it's not deep but it deals with all of the different issues that will make you well versed on meteor topics that will either right. prod you into further study or at least allow you to disciple your children yeah is edited by david horton you should pick up a copy it's not i'm getting no money from it but i'm telling you <laughs> As a must-have resource for dads, get the portable seminary yeah. because it's an easy read and it will help you to un understand without parsing Greek ver uh, verbs or participles or even understanding what those, you know, aspects of language are. You can still disciple yourself while yeah. you are learning to disciple your family. Yeah. So... I will recommend a much smaller That's uh, fine. Uh, book. And it's not even a, uh, um, it is a booklet. It is Luther's small catechism. Yeah. That's the size of it there. We call it a simple explanation of Christianity. Yeah. Because in it, in it, it teaches, it, it teaches the basics. And, and even these things are um, stuff that you come back to. The Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer. What is baptism? What is communion? What is uh, confession? And then a list of Bible verses that have to do with your responsibilities, like what do hearers owe their pastors? What do pastors owe their uh, their hearers? What do citizens owe to their country? And, and things like that. And, and it's just a very short, small, and it is accessible. But it's also, again, it's something that as you go through it, it will push you deeper into mm -hmm. these things. 
but the the beauty of it in, in my opinion is also is that it is so that's why we call it simple explanation it is so simple luther wrote it for children to learn he wrote it for dads to use with their children to learn that they would have the fundamentals of the faith down and then obviously as they grow take that and begin to study the word more and be you know engaged with that that's also one uh one huge advantage we have in our day and time is everybody has a bible mm-hmm. it's on your phone it's you know or everybody has a paper copy of um you know so that that's a, a, a you know we should use that to our advantage but yeah back to even just being simply at home you know leading your kids in prayer and, and those types of things and then just leading even if it's just reading a psalm um something something simple if it's you know if you feel like you get into reading John 1 in the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was and you're going I don't know what's going on here okay let's go back to Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I mean the, that imagery is just beautiful mm-hmm. and you you know this is God taking care of us mm-hmm. um and then when you run into those things go find a pastor that's what he's there for yes. is to to help take and expand those larger things okay hey you know i was reading in uh well john one what is this word what does this mean and the pastor will explain well this word is actually the second person of the trinity this is jesus this is what john is calling him that because it has so much to do with uh how he is uh, he is beyond just any sort of comprehensible thing that we have but then he becomes incarnate in the flesh for us mm-hmm. and ultimately that leads to his death and resurrection you know so you know th- that there's there's a uh there's a humility that comes with there being is. a disciple that's I, I would say that that's another part of it a hundred percent there is and i think the best thing that can be said is that you're not alone mm-hmm a lot of times I think as men we think we feel like we have to figure things out on our own. But when it comes to discipleship, the whole point is to not be alone. Yeah. Local pastors of the community that you attend, groups that you study with, shoot, send us a message. We'd love to respond yeah. to you and, and help you disciple your family as well. We don't care. That's we just want this group of men to rise up and and help train the next generation of the church because that is a no fail mission. I mean, it, it really is a no fail mission because it was a commission given from, as Peter describes him, our great God and savior, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And if there's anybody's words, we should be listening to, I would say it's him. And I will add, the one thing with that, while it is, while we see it as a no-fail mission, there is the promise that comes at the very end of that commission, mm-hmm. and that is, I am with you always until the end of the age. And so, we take on and bear that responsibility. That's what we're called to do as men, as fathers, as husbands. But we also know that the success of that is going to be because of the one who is with us. Correct. And he will continue to make disciples even if we you know shrug it off mm-hmm. let's not do that no. that's not what we're called to do but 
he is always with us. And when we are struggling with those things, when we're, we're struggling to pray, that's where we come to him and say, help us, help us to carry these things out. So as you go about your daily lives, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded, and remember that he is with you always. We will see you next week. Before we sign off, I do want to just give a quick shout out to something that is brand new from Uncultured Dad. If you had, to, if you head to unculturedad.com slash newsletter, you can sign up for a newsletter that we will not spam you. It'll be once a month, around the first of the month, every month. There will be exclusive content. So go and sign up. By signing up, you get a free five-day devotional that Coleman and I wrote together on biblical manhood. We would love for you to be a part of that newsletter community. There's going to be some great things coming out through there. He is Coleman, and I am AJ. This has been the Two Chaps Pod. We will see you next week. And as always, remember to stay uncultured. All right. Oh, my gosh. Not too much debate on the baptism part. <laughs> I wasn't getting into that. Yeah. One, no. because I don't want to say anything that's going to get me kicked <laughs> out of my endorsing agency and or shunned from my church. But two, yeah. like, I don't want to distract from the main topic, right? Yeah. Like, Wow. That's, I, I, I think that again, when Again, I think we hit the nail on the head, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it, you and baptize them into the community as babies. Yeah. And that's how you make disciples. And then we baptize them to bring them into the community after yeah. a confession of faith. Yeah. And but it's and, done with the right formula. Right. I mean, every right. time I've baptized, it's, it's I yep. baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried Amen. in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And there is and and the connection again between those two like and and that's something i, I mean again because you can you can kind of use this as as a way to convict of like hey you were baptized but now you've fallen away from the teaching mm -hmm. so come come on back come back you know that's mm -hmm. and and there's a do you guys rebaptize at that point or no no um because because that and this gets into the the views of baptism we think mm -hmm. baptism is actually god's work and so sure yeah um god does it once but the when someone is restored to the community mm -hmm. um through repentance it is a really in a real sense a reaffirmation of sure. their baptism of the of the promises god has made to them. how influential was augustine over luther well extremely i mean okay because I, I so Jack's in the part of the timeline where um, he's talking about Augustine of Hippo and like <laughs> moving along. And so I was reading the back of the card to him tonight because he wanted to read like the back of the card while he was having a snack. Yeah. And like I knew that like <clears throat> he had stood against um, like Pelagianism and all that right. kind of stuff. But then it, it specifically said about God's work through the sacraments. Yep. And I was like, that sounds very Lutheranism, like Lutheran. Yeah. 
And then when you just said that, I was like, oh, yeah, there had to be a. Yeah. Augustine was the one who castrated himself, was he not? Mm, no, I don't think so. Who was? I've never heard that. There was so. there was a church father who was so afraid of the desires of the flesh that he like would throw himself into thorn bushes and castrated himself. Ah, you don't know is, about that one. That is not ringing a bell. Uh, so. maybe I was giving bad information, <laughs> but uh, no, it was but, just because, be, or was he the one that fathered an illegitimate child? See, so he did father an illegitimate child. I knew child. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think, I think I could be wrong, but I think that he did, uh, ultimately mutilate the flesh in order to, oh, wow. I, I, I have not heard that, that story, but, but yeah, I mean, Luther was an Augustinian monk. And so all his training was kind of under the teachings of Augustine. And um, the, in fact, the <laughs> still, it's, it's true. It's, it's what we say in our confessions. Um, the definition of a sacrament comes from Augustine. So it's an earthly yeah. element with the word of God and a, an attached promise of grace to it. So, um, that is, yeah, there, and there's some, not really debate, but there's, there's always a, you know, there is a discussion on like, sh should we call them sacraments or should we call them means of grace? Mm -hmm. Because when you think about it, there, there are, there are other things that we would not consider sacraments that have sacramental qualities. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, commanded, commanded by God, earthly element and attached promise of grace. Well, marriage is commanded by God, so, and there are two earthly elements in that. Is there a promise of grace? Not really, though. The person that you marry is supposed to embody Christ to you, so I mean, does that kind of fall into it? And so that's uh, there is some gray area in regards to things like that, but generally speaking, the definition that we use for a sacrament is the one that we got from Augustine. Um, Maybe I misspoke about the castration part, but <laughs> I swear I had heard that somewhere before. Anyway, I mean, I will, it wouldn't surprise me it, if there if there if is a church it, father that did that. Okay, if I find it. I will send it. Um, good job, make disciples. That was that yeah. was good. I don't know if it was the topic or what, but your energy. Definitely picked my energy up, so that was good. <laughs> good. You were you were tonight. That was yeah. good. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen on Spotify and Apple, thanks for hanging around. We will see you next week. He's Coleman, and I am AJ. Have a good night and stay uncultured. Hey, everybody, just want to thank you once again for spending some time with the Two Chaps Pod today. If you're on YouTube, make sure that you've liked and subscribed to our channel. Pound that bell for notifications so you can be notified when our latest content drops. If you're on social media, we are all over the place, including the brand new threads from Meta. And I do want to remind you, for longer content, including pre-show and post-show audio, make sure you've subscribed on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the Two Chaps Pod. And until then, stay uncultured.